I think we're good. I'll set the stage here. We are at the farmhouse, Frost Farm, hanging out after Aaron Rice's presentation at Tuckerman Brewery. Thank you, Aaron, for coming, hopping over from the Green Mountains over to uh, Conway, New Hampshire. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was pretty cool. It's good. It's always good to get some fresh insight into our little bubble here because <clears throat> I think there's a lot of us that just never leave. We just we ski our our backcountry and we don't really get out and explore. And I think you know one of my goals is to get out more this year and especially over into Vermont. Yeah, I'll have to pick your brain a little bit, but yeah. I think everywhere gets trapped in their own little world sometimes, whether it's Utah or Vermont. Right. And if you have to get in your car, I mean, what's like an extra half hour, hour sometimes. But I think, you know, I'll kick it off with like, what, what was your introduction, like your pivotal moment to get into backcountry or skinning or was there like a light switch or is this slow, slow growth? There was a light switch for sure. When I was... This was not the light switch, but when I was in high school, I, like every child in New England, knew about Tuckerman Ravine, and my dad, who had zero backcountry experience and was a terrible skier, that's not true, but not great, he took my buddy and I up, and it was a pretty sketchy day up there, but it was April or something, and there were 500 people, and the rangers told us to go to Hillman's to not die. And my dad made it a third of the way up and fell all the way down. And we made it two thirds of the way up and almost fell and turned around and skied down. And we were shouldering our race skis the whole way. And I remember thinking that it was the coolest thing being able to ski where there wasn't a ski area. Um, but really didn't, it was probably two years before I ever made it into the backcountry again. Um, I was skiing up at Jay and skiing in the woods, but, but that was kind of it. And then in college, I went to UVM and chose it more or less because it was close to the mountains and was able to do the backcountry skiing and avalanche awareness program there, which is a semester long program. And they teach you about, you get a level one certification and they teach you about how to backcountry ski and what skins are. And we were all on day day wreckers with whatever skis we had and whatever boots we had um and borrowed skins and we went out to the shoots behind bolton and my mind was blown that was the light switch i was just like this is you can ski ice in the resort or you can ski powder in the backcountry and why are we not doing this all the time was it something though with like the mechanics of skinning, did that part ever like really kind of blow your mind about traveling with skins or is that just kind of part of the deal? Uh, it was, I think it was hand in hand. I think it was that you, there was this tool that existed that would let you ski and that whole, both of those together was this thing that I had no idea existed beforehand. Um, and booting up tux is fun, but it's you can only do that so much. But skidding, you can go forever. And you don't really get tired in the same way as booting or snowshoeing. Or um... We can boot all day. I don't know what you're talking about. That's like, <laughs> Some people can. I that's get my tired. specialty. <laughs> no, but it's different. I, booting up Tuckerman's Ravine. Like when people say they backcountry ski, like Tuckerman Ravine isn't backcountry skiing in the classic sense of April. April, like take your alpine skis up and break your back and 
and take a big yard sale. But yeah, I think I, you know, my introduction was watching my brother skin on tele skis and that was kind of like this weird, I don't know. He said it was more efficient. It looked interesting and this was in 2003, but he was still tele skiing. But like, it wasn't until I saw this, like put the skins on myself that that was sort of this transformational moment of, okay, we're now we're talking now I get it. Yeah. Cause you're like you're saying it's this tool to get you wherever you want to go really yeah. and that that's like a big barrier and i think it's really fun to watch people experience experience that for the first time because that was for me a game changer yeah absolutely i don't i don't thinking back i don't necessarily remember a light switch moment for the skinning um i think that relationship developed over time <laughs> a really <laughs> loving, good one with loving it. the uphill but um obviously i love the uphill now um, but at first it was definitely all about the downhill for me. It was like mind blowing the amount of good skiing you could get in a place where everybody else was ripping icy groomers. Well, that's cool. And that's like something that's very clear is that you care a lot about the skiing and the way, you know, to, to go back to your, your big skier where you cared more about the skiing and you said like, probably for your sanity's sake but yeah. it'd be tough to log all those days if you're just in a hamster wheel just counting numbers and some people but some people are into that and but the way you did it is like you skied and there's something to be said for that that you were able to accomplish something that was on another level but it was also done in your way in your fashion and it looked like you got <laughs> more skiing like, like a lifetime of powder days for most of us here on the east coast Totally. Yeah. I, I kind of always say that I was doing it for the downhill and you look at somebody like Killian who skied 76,000 feet in a day or whatever it was. And that's awesome. And like super, super impressive. And he was doing 1100 foot laps on groomers or something, but I don't think anybody, and I know Killian couldn't or wouldn't even want to do that for a year because it's just it's there's no sustainability to it like you have to enjoy what you're doing and there's some version of enjoyment with killing yourself for 24 hours um but that kind of just like exuberant joy that comes with powder skiing um i think is the only way to to ski that much for a full year because it is such a long time commitment and killian himself is all he actually comes from like a skiing downhill skiing background and picked up backcountry later in life and whereas a lot of these like new wave schemo guys are coming from um from like the ultra world and pick up the skiing secondary killian started from a skier and i think to do a long-term goal it has to be ski focused or you just burn out and looking back on that year you know knowing what you did what would you say in ideal conditions like what was it? What does that number look like? If somebody else wanted to no, for you, because this was your project, your deal. Like, granted, you had several. You know, you had your broken hand, overtraining syndrome, mm -hmm. and all this. These other things pop up. Weather, travel. Mm -hmm. Like, did you have a number? I guess like halfway through, beginning, going into it, like afterwards no just like bigger like if things went perfectly oh, oh, oh i see what you're asking um i honestly never really 
ask the question if things went perfectly because I don't think it ever would. But you so. got to be crunching numbers a little bit, <laughs> thinking like, well, sh I did 300,000 in January or whatever. What if I did that the whole time? Or, or like, yeah, start really thinking like, what are you? Because um, I know it takes both. Like yeah. it takes, you need to be super motivated. You need things to go your way. Right. Like, so, okay. So if I hadn't broken my hand, I probably, that probably, I think I estimated that probably cost me like, like 30,000, which really is like, it's only three days of skiing. So it really isn't that much. Um, but I was suffering from pretty bad um, overtraining syndrome throughout um, or whatever you want to call it, if it was like a step before that. So I think even if I the weather was a little better or whatever, that would have been a limiting factor too. I'm not sure I could have done much more from that. Um, but I guess asking like if I was better prepared, if I had a trainer, if I had a physical therapist. Someone monitoring you money, every day. Right. Could I do three? Well, first, I have absolutely zero desire to do three, but um, maybe, um, and I'm sure there are people that could do three. Well, this is curious, reflecting yeah. back yeah, on yeah. yourself, and you're like, if I button this up or right, made maybe slightly different, like um, pacing, like equivalent, right. equivalent, like yeah, pacing and running, pacing and and sure. skiing, and sure. I don't think I could have squeezed that much more out. I think. I was pretty fried physically. Um, yeah. No, that's <laughs> yeah. totally uh, No, it's interesting to think about, though. Because I, I, yeah, I just, I don't know. You always reflect back in hindsight of what is my limit. And right. you, you don't know. You can't just yeah. go back and, and replay it. But totally. Especially something on that scale. Right. Where there's so much room for var variability. Yeah. But um, tell me, like. It was pretty funny because, like, yeah, Joey Camps popped up on my Joey radar, Camps. and he, he was one of your <laughs> your touring partners. But I didn't; I only know knew him in the sense of the AT. Yeah, and he just like after String Bean, right, or yep. during the yeah, same yeah, time, yeah. like he was on the he was behind he, him. He was a week and a half behind. Pretty something. pretty cool, but I bet like what what is like yeah. So you say I'm crazy, but there's always another level of crazy oh, out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, and it sounds like he is one of those guys. Yeah, Joey is one of my favorite people. He is just so driven and focused on improving himself and always always and is wild like he will ride lifts once a season and dress up in all pink when he does it and wear some like k2 apaches from the mid 2000s that are it's not even like a cool funny ski to wear it's just like what he has and he'll dress up and carry a wand around and talk about like gay rights in Alta because he feels like it and he's just his own person and yeah he uh, has attempted the record on the PCT and the AT he currently holds the record for California on the PCT but he fell short of finishing that year and then has tried the AT twice in the first year more or less set the record, but he got in a car at one point to go to the hospital and even including that time still broke the record and is just an incredible person. Um, and then did it again and would have broken the record last year, except string bean did it right before him or two years ago now. Um, and he just is so, so, so driven and understands that he has a degree in exercise physiology and understands all that. And um, is an incredible touring partner is always ready to go whenever 
um and at the beginning of the year we probably skied over half the time together um and he was just always out there breaking trail for me those those people are key you see that in the white mountains with everyone doing their winter hiking is all about what trails are broken out and it mm. can make it makes or break your day if you're trying to do these big traverses and you're stuck post holing yeah. or just snowshoeing it's gonna you're gonna be redlining doing i don't know if you're running you're red, redlining doing like 15 minute miles but yeah i guess that's like it's all part of it what um i guess what were some of the milestone like did you have milestone numbers that you were like hitting did it matter like when you hit like we start accumulating like what was the first milestone where you're like really excited about uh i totally had milestones the first one was seven days in and i had skied seventy thousand feet and i was like my goal so i actually came up short of my goal which was to do ten thousand average ten thousand for the whole three months i was in alta january february march um and but that first seven months i was like whoa this is totally doable like i'd probably only done half a dozen or a dozen ten thousand foot days well, and, and just for context what is a ten thousand foot day time wise like how what do you put that in how do you block that up yeah i went really really slow almost always so ten thousand feet would have been 10 hours basically i pretty much averaged a thousand feet per hour throughout the whole year and that's car to car so that's or door to door or whatever um so that includes lunch if I was eating it or all the transition time or taking photos and um or changing your boot liners out at last skier standing yeah that's like a thousand <laughs> feet an hour I mean yeah change your socks yeah no that's yeah I mean I think it's just hard for I think people you can look at numbers here from the comfort of our home sure. but like when you're out there doing it it's a different story and then when you're yeah. doing it day over day then it's like just it's stuff that's hard to comprehend and you see this with people that are doing their at speed records where mm -hmm. you can't really train into it you just gotta go and do it or else yeah. you're, you risk injuring yourself or totally. or yeah really hampering that yeah start out of the gates yeah and that's totally spot on people ask how'd you train for this and i was like i don't know i was biking in vermont because biking's fun and then i went out to utah and i started i really you can't train because you just get there and you're getting shape as as soon as you get there and i know we could like hammered hammer this project for a while but I, it's it is really interesting so there's a couple more questions one would be like with a video project you know, was that something like you shop it around before? Did you feel like there was traction there or is it just like, we're going to make this and we're going to see what happens? Um, I pretty much the latter. Um, my buddy from college had made a few films uh, that had done well at film festivals and he was headed that way to becoming a film full-time film producer, um, which he absolutely is now. And uh, we went on a bike ride and I asked if he wanted to make the film and he was like, yeah, totally. And so leading up to that winter, I was in Vermont and I was looking for sponsors for the film and support for the project and went out to outdoor retailer and spent the three days. I had 40 meetings in three days or something crazy. Um, and most people say no when you ask them something about that for gear or money or both or whatever. Um, but we got some traction with Jaybird headphones 
Uh, so they were the main sponsor for the film. And then a few other sponsors hopped on along the way. And, but I, I kind of was like, the, my year's going to happen regardless. I had enough money. Um, I was going to be dead broke by the end if I didn't get any sponsors. And then the film, I kind of like worked for the sponsors, but also let Tyler um, take care of that. And then um, it all ended up working out great. And it was, it toured with Telluride and Banff and did really well and won a powder award. Yeah. For people who haven't seen that, check it out. It's, it's free online. It's on Vimeo. I'll have a link to it somewhere, wherever this lands. And yeah, I think that's interesting because it's like the chicken or the egg. Like if you don't have this background, established background working with spot like other brands it's hard to just jump into something and get their trust that they're going to get their return on it but it's really important to have that mentality that you're going to do this no matter what you can jump on board or you can leave it but yeah it's it's, it must have been frustrating i don't know i don't know if like your mentality going into it did you did that bother you like they don't see what you see i wasn't super frustrated because i guess it's pretty easy to put yourself in their shoes and be like Okay, so like this dude from Massachusetts who skied in Vermont and has been out in Utah for three years, and like nobody knows who he is, and he skied six thousand or six hundred thousand feet one year, like is trying to break the records. Like, why would you put your eggs in that basket? So why it makes did no they? sense. I think. <laughs> like that's the I guess that's the other. Uh, I don't know how many people are gonna question. listen to this, but I think Jaybird was poorly managed and <laughs> they didn't know what they were signing up for. Um, and I think a couple of the other sponsors, I met with them and they just kind of like trusted me basically. And it wasn't a huge risk for most of them because it was just product for their, at first with the hopes of maybe a little money on my end. Um, and I, yeah, I think as like a athlete manager, you kind of just have to take those risks, especially as a smaller brand um, and hope that they, some of them pay back. Then I guess in to promote it because everyone now wants you to share as you go get all these little tidbits get the behind the scenes stuff and back in 2016 i remember that that was instagram but no instagram stories it was snapchat it was some facebook live stuff but like what did you utilize i mean besides i'm sure you you were in instagram yeah that was that was basically all i had the bandwidth for um i had agreed to write a bunch of blog posts for brands and so that's another way they can get some value is getting some content um and so i tried to do that as much as i could and um, i'd go out with some photographers and some of that stuff gets published or whatever i wrote some stuff for backcountry magazine um but 98 percent of my media or content or whatever you want to call it was instagram um, because it at the time especially it was so organic and natural and easy for me to find a good photo from the day um, and I actually really, really enjoyed it. It was almost therapeutic in some ways because I didn't have a lot of social interactions with other people. And so that was like, it was journaling and it was engaging with people, um, even though it was this online cyber way of doing it. And so how much of that time out there alone where you're thinking like, you know, you're in your head the whole time, like whether you're listening to music or not, like thinking about the future and what you're going to do after this. And mm-hmm. you have all that time you're stewing, you're yeah, thinking, yeah. or maybe you're not, but no, I was. <laughs> <laughs> and like, so out of all that stuff that you're projecting towards the future, like how much of that came true from all that time thinking when you're out there? Yeah. 
It's a good question. Uh, well, one, I listen to a lot of podcasts also, some music, but just like pretty much the only thing I can talk about with people in the real world is podcasts because <laughs> I just listen to so much. Um, but I did think about my life and what I wanted and my goals into the future a ton. And one thing I would do, because you can't really journal while you're on the skin track, but I would um, write it down in like the notes app or whatever and just keep these lists of goals. Um, and I had a list of like tangible goals, like objectives and mountains I wanted to ski. But then I had other lists of like these really difficult goals, like um, spending more time with my neighbor's young child who was like six at the time and um, trying to prioritize that when I was done with the year and trying to build community and um, it's on my old phone those notes and I should probably look at them and see how I'm doing but <laughs> I think I'm a lot of them are kind of general themes in my life that I am working at I think I'm moving in that direction in your general life now you're in Vermont you are working a full-time gig you're a homeowner doing the doing the grind but doing it in your way like but you have this big project like it's monumental to dedicate your a year of your life I mean you think about the Appalachian Trail like that's to me that's relatable in some some uh, some degree where that's like people take three month chunks but you take a full year to do this that's something you like really cared about planned executed it had this film all these blog posts some publicity but like you fulfilled like your little prophecy of this of this mission and like where do you how do you build off that or like is that something that you see like all right this is one part of my life now I'm moving on but like do you ever see that as like a cool opportunity to like leverage that for other fun projects and that it doesn't have to obviously not like you only have so many of those in your in your body yeah. in a lifetime yeah no that's a really interesting question and I a lot of people were asking me that right after um often in less words by just saying what's next um but i think it's, it's sort of a similar question um and at the time i and and honestly still now i i never did any of this to become a professional skier whether i ever even did but uh, i never did it to get sponsors i never really even did it to break a record i just really liked skiing um and all those things helped me to ski more basically um getting sponsors and making a film and that happened to break a record. So I, at, afterwards I had however many followers on Instagram and the, however many views the video got. And I was like, I totally could. I saw that path kind of laid out. I was like, okay, I could pick another goal. I could try to break the record for a month. I could try to, I don't know, I had a couple of creative ideas, but I really, I had very little desire to do that. Um, and so instead, I wanted to refocus um, and I don't really think about it as being like, okay, I did this and now I'm doing something else. Um, I kind of think of it as like, for me, it was a very natural progression into, um, I like maxed out what I could do and now let's see like where I fall, um, finding more of a balance. And, and one way I've described it actually is it's almost like a very monastic experience like monks go up into the hills or whatever and they isolate themselves from the world. Um, and in doing so, they can figure out what they value um, because they've eliminated everything. And so they can see what they crave. And so I, in some ways I, I was doing that. I, was, I had isolated myself and I had gotten rid of everything 
And so then I could see really clearly like, oh, this is, I value community and I value interpersonal relationships. Um, and I value having a sense of place and having that be clear, I could then move back to Vermont and still ski 120 days a year before work and after work and on weekends, um, but also have those other things. Fair enough. That is the what, that is the ultimate what's next answer. Totally get that. And so now that you're back in Vermont, what are some of the things that excite you beyond just like going out and skiing, good skiing? Like what is, like what makes you tick, I think, like for the next, I don't know, for the next short term, long term, like ski wise, like some of the things you haven't done. Yeah. Ski wise specifically. Or well, yeah, ski summer, whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. I always like Adventure in the mountains, mountains. exciting wise. Yeah, um, I still to this day have never skied in the Adirondacks, which is ridiculous. Hand up. Um, so uh, that is high on the list. And then I've skied a bunch in the whites, but it's all been pretty isolated to a few spots. Um, and exploring the whites sounds incredible. And then Vermont is really good at having individual powder stashes and you go and you lap them. Um, but it actually does have the potential to be really good to link up long tours. And it's not something a lot of people are doing. And that's been something that I really want to try to figure out how to do is go on a 10,000 foot day where you're covering five different valleys and it's totally, totally, totally doable. Um, so I want to do that. It's like a gravel, like the gravel events, they cover, yeah. they cover, <laughs> cover a couple of gaps and notches over there to to apply the things you've done out West back here. I think it's what well, makes it exciting, right? Like people haven't done a lot of these big link ups or big projects and there's still a lot. I feel like that feels new and refreshing. And I, I don't know, like Vermont is something where it's not, no one thinks of it as like the big mountains and stuff, but they're legit. You're going to stack a lot of vert in a very short period of time. And then, you know, I think that's special about Adirondacks too, because I've had my eye on them for a couple of years, but it's like, yeah, you got to drive a little further. You got to get in that car. You got to skin a little further and commit to who, you know, hopefully you, you can get the window right and everything. It's like Katahdin is you got a window and you go up there yeah. and yeah, I've never been to Katahdin either. So right, well, that's that, on that list. one too. <laughs> So it sounds like you got a full, I mean, there's a full plate here and then anywhere else, like you're traveling for the next, mm -hmm. for this next year, do you have a big, uh, your one getaway? Uh, my job is very time consuming in the summer and we work really long hours, but the benefit of that is that in the winter we don't have much to do. So I get to take a lot of vacation. So I'm hoping to be in Utah for a couple of weeks, Iceland in the spring for a little over a week. And then trying to get back up to the Chick Chocks for a long weekend. That's efficient use of the time. Get that long weekend, maybe cap, maybe three days. Well, good. It looks like there's a lot to uh, look forward to following you on social media. Yeah. You'll be sharing those adventures, I'm sure. Yes. And uh, whether the skiing is a dusting of grass or, or <laughs> neck deep powder, you'll be sharing it, I hope. So yep. thanks, um, thanks again for coming over here. And hopefully... Uh, we get this next storm in the next couple of days and yeah and then when you're when you're back this way we'll make some turns definitely so that'd be great cool man well thanks yeah thank you
That's a wrap. Episode